If you want to make radical change in an institution as old as the Catholic Church, you might want to follow the Chinese proverb, hide your strength, bide your time. And that certainly seems to be the strategy of Pope Francis ahead of next month's Vatican summit, because it has the dullest of names, the Synod on Synodality. But it could lead to the biggest shake-up of power inside the Church for centuries. Claire Giangreve is Rome correspondent for the Religion News Service. Uh, Claire, thanks for coming back. So is Pope Francis uh, hiding his strength behind this rather innocuous-sounding event? (laughs) Pope Francis is a disruptive figure in the church, but he's also unexpected. I think if we look at the synod for what it actually is, which is a conversation about the church itself, you might think this is the dullest thing in the world. But actually, if you change the way the church thinks about itself, which is what Pope Francis ambitiously wants to do, then you can also change the way the church relates to the world. What does this mean in practical terms? Are we going to see changes in dogma in the synod? I sincerely doubt it. Pope Francis has shied away from making any change to dogma. We're not going to see any real change in terms of welcoming of LGBTQ individuals or women's ordinations. That's not what this synod is about. That's disappointing for many, I understand. But it is going to change the way bishops, which is prelates in the church, relate to people on the ground. It's going to change power structures. It's going to change how decisions are ultimately made. Let's not forget this is a 2,000-year-old church, which means that maybe we won't see these dogmatic changes right now, but Pope Francis is laying down the groundwork to have those changes come in the future. Are there, let us say, competing camps or factions, though, going into this synod? Yes, the church reflects the polarization of our society, of course. And then there are churches that are much more polarized just because the society itself is especially polarized. I think we can see that in the West. The United States is a perfect example. We have individuals like Cardinal Burke, who has become basically the spokesperson for the resistance to Pope Francis, who is going to attend. We can imagine that certain people are going to form around him, people who maybe want to oppose certain changes, but there's also going to be an overwhelming number of people who are in support of Pope Francis and his vision, and even those who want him to do even more, the super progressives, let's call them. So yes, there are factions that are going to be at play. We can't underestimate them, but the Vatican wants us to think that this is not going to be that important. Yeah, You mentioned Cardinal Burke there. I'm sorry, but I can't help but ask, given the way Cardinal Burke presents himself, is he going to turn up in his early and lace and red velvet shoes and everything the Pope seems to think symbolises what's wrong with the church? (laughs) That would definitely make for an entrance and a great news story. But no, (laughs) the Pope wants, at least he claims, he really wants an open conversation. I don't know how much Cardinal Burke is going to be able to find support for his vision within the context of the Synod. But the fact that he's going to be there is already meaningful. And he doesn't agree with the Synod. There are others who don't agree with the Synod and are afraid of where it's going to lead. But at the end of the day, the way this has been structured is we can't find out until the bishops emerge. And that's going to be in a month. Claire, what are some of the competing agendas, though, that have presented themselves or that you've been able to get hints of going into the Synod? 
the Synod on Synodality is going to be divided into separate modules, as they're calling it. And they have, as we can expect, very vague names, <laughs> Synodality, Participation, Mission, Communion. But within these mega groups, there are going to be conversations about some hot topics in the Catholic Church, attitudes towards sexuality, questions of how the church is going to change its power structures, as I mentioned before. The question of women in the church, which has probably been the strongest and most present demand that has come from the local level to the Vatican all over the world, not just in the Western world as we would have expected, but even churches in Asia, in Africa, in South America are demanding for women to have a real role in the Catholic Church. So these kind of conversations, as you can expect, cause tension. Mm. We're definitely going to see these camps have it out at the Synod. One of them is, of course, the German Catholic Church. Now, it has done its own pre-Synod process, as it calls it. I think, though, it's been the most liberal. What agenda are the Germans coming to present? I don't want to talk about agenda, but we can expect that the German experiment definitely reflects more progressive views. This is interesting on two levels. We can definitely expect that Germans are going to be the ones talking about what we need to change in terms of homosexuality in welcoming of homosexual faithful, I mean, what we need to change in terms of the sex abuse crisis, because Germany, like many other countries, has seen the reality of that. They're also going to come in saying, how can lay people and especially women have a say in the church? Now, the German groups are quite small. And in fact, there's not going to be a German language group. Mm. They're going to be put into other language groups. Is this a way to sort of uh, quiet down and silence the German camp? <laughs> Some think so. But at the same time, they will be still in there. They're still going to be at the dinners. And who knows what can happen over a plate of spaghetti? <laughs> yeah, well, I know the church and the Pope has said this is a religious event. But even the Pope has said, hasn't he, that this is not about making the church a democracy, at least a democracy in the way that secular people might understand it. It's about what decentralizing power. So that could actually work surely to the advantage of some of the Pope's critics uh, and the conservatives. If they prevail in a certain area, well, they get their way. Well, I think you really hit the nail on the head. This is one of the most interesting aspects of the Synod, in my opinion. At the end of the day, the people of, of God, of the church, are going to talk. The bishops are going to have a discussion. The theologians are going to make a summary. But the Pope is going to write the document that's going to have real weight for years, centuries to come. So this remains very much a hierarchical structure. This is not a parliament. The Pope is going to listen to the discussions and then the people have to trust him to interpret that in a way that really reflects what happened inside the Synod Hall. If you combine that with the possibility that the relationship between the Pope and his bishops is going to change, which is what I expect to happen, then I don't think we need to see the Pope as no longer being an important or really the head of the whole church. But if bishops gain more independence, that will probably come with more responsibility. Let me give you a concrete example. If you look at the concrete cases of sexual abuse, that could be a big game changer. So many times questions of sexual abuse go back to the Vatican, back to the doctrine of the faith, 
the department in the Vatican that handles such cases? What if this was decentralized so that bishops really had to keep an eye together with people in their parishes on what's going on? And what if they fail, then the Pope might be able to remove them? And these kinds of conversations, I think, are the kind of conversation on the very thrilling word of ecclesiology (laughs) (laughs) that are going to happen, but they're going to have very concrete results on very concrete issues. Yeah, Claire, very good to get such a clear-eyed understanding of this because it is such a potentially radical moment in the life of this papacy and indeed in the life of the church, even if they try to cover it up with very mundane language. Claire Giangrave, she's <laughs> she's the Vatican correspondent for the Religion News Service, will no doubt speak again in the next few weeks. Thanks for coming back to the program, Claire. Thank you for having me. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.